1: Yes, and I happen to be, good morning, uh, joined this morning from the University of Minnesota, Mary Meyer, answering those questions again today. Mary, good morning.
2: Good morning, Denny. Happy New Year. We've got a whole new year to garden in front of us. Try out new things, uh, new techniques.
1: I like your line of thinking. That's great, <laughs> especially with all the snow on the ground, which is a good thing, right? We always like to say that. All this snow cover is indeed a good thing, not only for those that enjoy winter activities, but all of our lawns and shrubs, et cetera, they, uh, it's good for them
2: it's great for them yes snow is called the poor man's mulch for gardeners and so we do appreciate it we need the moisture and yes it provides great protection and insulation for plants
1: really does uh, and again uh, for those maybe new to the show thanks for joining us just a reminder we are here every Saturday. In the uh, eight o'clock hour, it's called Smart Garden, and smart people like Mary Meyer help you out uh, every uh, every Saturday. So uh, pass the word and uh, give us a call or send a text if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question. And again, we <laughs> we do, in spite of the weather, we talk about this topic every week, fifty-two weeks a year here on CCO. So please join in on the conversation either by phone or by text six five one four six one 9226 just for the fun of it mary while we're awaiting uh, calls and texts uh what do you do during uh this this season i mean uh, reading seed catalogs or what what what, what yes. kind of off season yep. things do you do
2: Well, I am reading Seed Catalogs. They're beautiful seed catalogs coming in the mail, and if you're not getting seed catalogs, you can request those. Usually once you order from a company, that will get you on the mailing list, and so then you can get the seed catalogs. But lots of people do order online. I love to look at the seed catalogs, but then I usually place my orders online, so lots of planning. Uh, I just signed up for the community garden. I live in Plymouth, and Plymouth has a community garden. I've had one there for years, and so I signed up for that. Uh, it, many communities will open uh, the gardens for returning gardeners and then new gardeners on different dates. So if you're interested in that, check your uh, local city, your um, area where you live because there are many community gardens I have a lot of shade in my property so I like to have the full sun for vegetables to do that Um, And yeah, I'm doing a lot of planning. I'm thinking about what what new things do I want to try this year. It's so tempting with the seed catalogs because there's so many new things to try. It's always difficult. But then I look at the uh, evaluations. We have Morris out at Morris. We have uh, trials that go on there. And then those are published for the best flowers that grew in Minnesota. The Master Gardeners do their vegetable trials every year, and those, that information is up online. So reading about recommendations from local experts is another thing I uh, catch up on in the winter.
1: I was, you know, I, I guess put this off every year, and I, I make mention of it maybe once a year when we're doing the show, is I've always wanted to have a raised bet. And I'm not sure if I could do it myself. I know there are companies that would do that, people that are landscapers, et cetera, that that would do that. Is that a difficult thing to do? And what do you think about raised garden beds?
2: I think raised beds are great. And the Minnesota State Horticultural Society really specializes in that, in their garden in a box program. They're uh, actually a free program where they distribute the beds. They, they have first preference to communities and people working together in groups to get those gardens, the, the materials for the beds. But raised beds are a great, uh, Alternative, if you have any doubt about your soil, or if you might be in an urban area where the soil might be questionable, you're wondering about lead or other things in the soil, then a raised bed is great. And it isn't too difficult, really. It's really putting soil on top of the ground and growing plants uh, up above the ground. And usually you need something to hold that soil together, so boards, lumber, but there are many different uh, materials that you can use. And then, of course, getting the soil. But but that raised beds tend to have great um, aeration, and plants like air and oxygen as much as they do water. So the growing conditions are usually superior in raised beds. So yes, if you're thinking about uh, trying them, this is a good year to start that. And uh, yeah, there's more information. And the Garden in a Box program at the Minnesota State Horticulture Society is online. That's northerngardener.org where you can find that information.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks for that. Maybe this is my year to do that. Uh, Again, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, we'd like to hear from you. 651-461-9226. If you'd like to call and chat with Mary, that's great. Or uh, sending a text may be easier. 651-461-9226. Here's a text, Mary. Oh boy. Rabbits are eating my euonymus bushes. Should I still wrap them with burlap and will the bushes come back or do you think I'll have to replace them?
2: That really depends on how much damage is done. But if you can see the rabbits doing damage now, and you know, we have so much snow that they're feeding at a much higher level than they normally do, Um, if possible, I would put up some type of a barrier or obstruction if you can, because any of the, the plant that you can save at this point, it still might be okay. Uh, there are probably some branches that are going to be dead because if they eat them off totally or eat around them, that's enough to kill those branches. But euonymous are going to be dead because if they eat them off totally or eat around them, that's enough to kill those branches. But euonymus normally have a lot of stems, so many, many stems. And sometimes euonymus can even grow back from the base. So I would say, you know, it's a good chance your plant is alive. If you can put up a barrier, I would do that. And yeah, I realize how challenging that is with the snow and uh, getting but any type of a barrier uh even the uh netting that you can put around it and over it will help protect it from rabbits.
1: You know I think too we mentioned uh, what what we might be doing this off season during the dead of winter here and dreaming about spring and summer. Uh and I it goes back to what I've done in the past is to get on the University of Minnesota website if I'm thinking, gee, what tree or what shrub would look good mm-hmm. uh, here or there, that's another great re- resource. Maybe, uh, Mary, for folks that are not familiar with that uh, website uh, and all the great work that people put into that, what, what, can, what are the things that we, different things we can find on that website?
2: Yes, you're exactly right, Denny. The extension.umn.edu. I was just looking at it this morning. Uh, there are articles there about indoor house plants, care for house plants, uh, techniques for watering house plants. There's lots of information for starting seeds, uh, winter sowing, information like that. I see that there are apple pruning classes. Uh, apple tree pruning classes are going to be offered throughout the state in the next coming months Uh, and and they're free you can sign up for these and learn how to prune uh, your trees if you have um, apple trees there's also information on what weed is this what insect is this and then as you said what to plant in difficult situations. So lots of information up there at extension.umn.edu.
1: And we will mention that, of course, before Mary takes her leave today. Uh, I tell you what, let's do this. We'll uh, take a break. We can mention uh, the the forecast as well. I can tell you that uh, we're still at holding in, although it's going to be warmer today, 17 degrees currently. We look at uh, highs of possibly 34 today. And maybe 38 tomorrow for the holiday Monday on uh, Martin Luther King Day. Let's see, 38 possibly on Monday. So definitely a warming trend. Let's hear from you either by phone or by text. Any kind of a lawn or garden question for Mary Meyer on uh, News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to CCO's Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, answering those lawn and garden questions for you uh, this hour. Uh, If you have that kind of a question, by all means, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to uh, chat with Mary, you can call 651-461-9226. Or if it's easier, you can send a text with that question at the same number, 651-461-9226. Uh let's see another and we got this from time to time, Mary, as you know, are fireplace ashes good for the garden
2: uh yes and no you you can use them in the garden, but they are very alkaline, and so they can actually change the pH of the soil. We already have alkaline soils in most of Minnesota, except for the arrowhead. And so we that will just make your soils more sweet, as some people say, or more alkaline. So I wouldn't put very many on without having a soil test to know exactly where you are. Uh, I grew up in the East Coast in Pennsylvania, and it was fine there. Yeah, the soils were very acidic, and so people did that as a regular practice. But here, it's, um, it's not such a good idea.
1: Okay, very good. Let's grab a phone call, Mary. I think Karen is on the horn calling in from uh, Spring Valley this morning. Hi, Karen. What is your question for Mary?
2: Good morning. Say, hey, um, So we live in the country just east of, of Hudson, and our soil is very rich and uh, prolific when it comes to gardening. My My garden starts out nice and clean, weed-free every spring, early summer. And like within a day, if you're not, if I'm not out there, it just gets overcome by the weeds. Obviously, you know, it's a day, it's a daily ritual to have to weed. So my question is what, in your opinion, what's the best type of mulch to put down, you know, between the rows, between the plants, specifically around my tomatoes? Um, and then my secondary question is, um, what is the best way to keep a tomato plant up and upright? Um, we've tried various ways and they still end up just laying on the ground. Thanks Karen for those questions. So I like organic mulches and clean straw is really one of the best ones to use. Um, It will uh, deteriorate and and, uh, help add organic matter to the soil but usually clean straw doesn't have a lot of weed seeds in and of itself and it provides a nice clean environment for around tomatoes. Um, you can use grass clippings uh, as long as they don't have herbicide in them. Uh, there are other things that you can use, but if you if you have um, can buy clean straw, that is um, that's a, a good mulch for uh, of tomatoes in a vegetable garden. And then as far as keeping them upright, well, <laughs> tomatoes. There are two kinds of tomatoes the indeterminate that grow forever into a huge big plant and then determinant which their um, their top bud is a fruit and so rather than uh, uh, leaves and so they are short so depending on what kind of tomato you get the determinant ones are shorter by nature and easier to stake, and they're just going to be a short plant at, you know, around three feet or so. The indeterminate ones will go on forever. <laughs> they will get to be six feet tall, seven feet tall, and they're a little harder to manage. Uh, but either way, it's a, a cage or two to four stakes and then uh, supports. So um, it, it if you have the indeterminate ones, um, they're they're harder. Now, ideally, the seed packet or the uh, seed catalog would tell you which uh, which is which on these tomatoes. Uh, so, but looking online, you can usually find that information. Uh, if you know the varieties you like, you can determine if they're determinate or indeterminate. So hopefully that's helpful.
1: Yeah, those are the terms I just learned. I remember you a couple years ago now when I was uh, plant uh, growing uh, certain kinds of tomatoes. I thought, I never heard of this before. <laughs> determined and determined, but it's a good qualification. Uh, thanks, Karen, for the call. Let's go back to the phones. Marlis, I believe, is calling in from Farmington uh, this morning. Marlis, you're on CCO with Mary.
2: Yes, good morning. Love your show. Thank I you. have a question about a Kalenkel plant that I was gifted I've had it a couple of years. It bloomed on four of its appendages last summer. Uh, but I'm wondering if it needs to be clipped back, the stems, to give, increase more lower vigorous growth or needs repotting. How do you get that plant to grow some flowers again well? And does it bloom just once a year? Yeah, Kalanchoe or Kalanchoe, I think there are a couple of ways to say that, uh. It's uh, usually really a greenhouse plant. Uh, I'm not sure. I I personally have never gotten that to reflower, but it's known for liking cool conditions. So cool conditions in the 50s even uh, is what it likes. So I would try to keep it near a window, bright sunlight, uh, with cool conditions. Uh, I'd have to look up if short days make a difference to that plant or not. But many times, you know, the days that we're in right now are the short natural day length will initiate flower buds. I would also try fertilizing it. It probably doesn't need repotting. I kind of doubt that's the limiting factor. Probably a lot of light, cooler conditions and I would, uh, as long as it's healthy and you see new growth, I would give it uh, some fertilizer uh, about every two weeks uh, when it's growing indoors now in the winter.
1: All right, very good, Marlis. Thank you. Uh, Mary, hang on. We're going to take a break for that forecast, and we have about another half hour of the show to go. Mike and Aiden Prairie, you're going to be next on the horn, so don't go away. Uh, if you want to call in your question, lawn and garden question, or send a text, either way, here's the number, 651 461 We'll be back with more after the forecast here on Talk 830. This is WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CCO. Uh, welcoming your phone calls or text messages this morning for Mary Meyer from the U of M, answering those lawn and garden questions. And as usual, Mary, we have callers and we have textures. Maybe a little bit later this half hour we can talk about what's going on at the Arboretum as well. We always like to do that. Uh, let's see. Mike is waiting there in Eden Prairie on the horn, I believe, to, uh, to ask a question. Thanks for waiting, Mike. What's your question, please?
2: uh yes, hello, um
1: hey, Mary. I have got a probably a eight or ten foot arbivite. We planted it maybe four or five years ago and it and it took the worst of the snowstorm recently. It's bent over it's probably no more than three feet tall right now. It just bent down you know two to three feet up from the ground. I've shaken the snow off it, but question is 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 that gonna recover in the spring? Is it ever gonna grow straight again and should i do anything to it in the spring
2: great questions mike um, yes this uh it's a tough time for the evergreens especially ones that will catch snow and ice and bend them over Um, I'm glad that yours didn't break when you were shaking the snow off. Sometimes when it's real cold and it's all that ice that actually the movement can actually crack it and, and damage it. So it's great that yours didn't break and just the snow came off. But many times, yes, these plants will recover they will become much more pliable and upright when it gets warm again. And yours is fairly young and it's not real tall, not 20 or 30 feet tall. So the younger ones do have a tendency to bounce back better. But for anyone who's like cringing, like I am looking at my Arborvita, the best thing is usually just to leave them alone when it's quite a bit warmer and the, it's uh, more of a rain than it is ice, you can maybe get some of the snow to come off. But it, it really is a risk to go out there and shake them when it, there's so much ice because they're very brittle. But, um, yeah, it's a challenge.
1: I guess. Uh, text, by the way, here's our uh, – thanks, Mike. The text uh, number is the same as the phone number, six five one four six one nine two two six. A texture says we have a, a nine-foot pyramidal yew by the house that the deer. Oh boy, that the deer came by about two weeks ago, ate all the needles off the bottom five feet of the yew. Do you think the plant will regrow the needles, or do we need to replant the shrub?
2: It's pretty unlikely it will regrow the needles down there. Usually, that's where there's uh, lower light. Uh, anyway. And, yeah, it's amazing that um, how, what what damage deer can do. Now, there were arborvita at the arboretum that deer had eaten off for years as far as they could reach. And they, they looked strange and they looked funny. But um, I would just wait and see, wait and see really how bad the damage is once all the snow is gone. And then you'll have to decide whether or not you can uh, live with how the plant looks at that point.
1: Well, we had the same issue uh, until we got a barrier, a fence. Uh, the rest of the fence put up uh, on three pine trees. They did about the bottom four feet. They just totally destroyed. However, uh, since then, of course, before the snow, some of those things, uh, those those needles are growing back. Not all, very solid, a few of them. But uh, and I'm wondering, maybe maybe you know there will be some uh, way to save the trees. But they can do so much damage
2: yes and can Uh,
1: they jump
2: yes they can reach high they can jump and now with the snow you know they have easier access to higher uh, parts of it yeah a lot of it depends on how healthy the plant is and how much light it's getting you know if it's in a shady place below other foliage it's unlikely those buds will break where it's so shady yeah
1: oh good luck with that Let's go back to the phones, uh, Mary. Let's see. Kathy is calling in from Shorewood uh, this morning. Kathy, you're on CCO with Mary. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I used to have an above-ground pool, and now that has gone. So I had a layer of sand and then black dirt. What can I put there to grow this year? It faces the west, so it gets sun all day. Um, I think you can grow a lot of things there, uh, Kathy. This is where you had your pool before, the above-ground pool, and that's not there anymore. So sand and black dirt, which is often a silty form of uh, fill, um, that should be fine, the, the sun conditions. Uh, Chlorine and so on associated with pools often that will evaporate chlorine and and hopefully will not be a problem. You can always get a soil test and determine the nutrient levels that are in there and the pH that's there. I would do some tilling, rototilling or spading to try to incorporate the sand and the black uh, soil so that's not. Uh, Separate layers that it's incorporated uh, together. But as long as it's full sun, you have a lot of alternatives flowers, shrubs vegetables even that you could grow in that area so uh, really yeah think about your preference you, if you want to put in a lawn I mean you could do that because of full sun conditions uh, many of the turf grasses like uh, well-drained soils uh, with sand that's in them so yeah I think you have a lot of choices yeah
1: very good uh, again six five one four six one nine two two six. Texture 226 Texture says this Mary my tomato plant stems got very girthy with some bumps on them, and the tomatoes never ripened. What do you think happened there?
2: Yeah, I've seen bumps like that on tomato stems. Um, That really isn't, uh, it's more of a uh, abiotic issue. It's not an insect, it's not a disease issue. Uh, Sometimes from um, just abrasion or damage, it's a um, kind of like a callus that will grow, but, I don't think that should affect um, the the actual ability for the plant to set fruit. But then the second half of that was very little fruit, right?
1: Yeah. In fact, the tomatoes, they said never ripened.
2: Oh, never ripened. Yeah. I don't – I would say that's more a variety thing. And, uh, you know, so – Look uh, for recommended varieties through the uh, Master Gardeners. You know, some of the tomatoes that I've grown for years, Celebrity, Early Girl, Jet Star, These are kind of our old classics that are disease-resistant, bloom and flower in a short number of days will consistently set fruit in the north. So I would really pay attention to what variety you're planting because there are really hundreds of different types of tomatoes and the variety really makes a difference.
1: For sure. This listener's Mary, said, uh, since I uh, brought my hibiscus inside, it's been dying. Is there something I can do to try to revive it?
2: Well, hibiscus need a lot of light. Uh, and we've, we've been suffering as humans from lack of light up here in Minnesota. And so our plants really are barely hanging on. But the brightest light conditions is what uh, hibiscus needs. They need a lot of water, but they don't like standing water. So you have to make sure that the water is not standing on the roots and that you're draining it off after you water them. But I would give them as much water as possible. Now, it's, it's very likely they will lose a lot of foliage, maybe even a third or half of their foliage when you bring them indoors. But that you know that I've I have overwintered hibiscus. I've gotten them to flower in the winter time. Probably many of our listeners now might be looking at a hibiscus that actually is flowering. They just need as much light as possible and don't uh, leave them in standing water.
1: This next uh, text, Mary may uh, call for an arboretum. Uh, just my guess, but I'll uh, read it. We have some full-grown oak trees that are at least fifty plus years old. Some of them are partially losing their bark. Is this normal for their age? Is there anything that should be done? What do you think, Mary?
2: Well, losing bark is not a good sign, especially if it's coming off in big enough chunks and it's an oak tree. Oaks are not known for losing their bark. There there are other trees like sycamores that will shed bark normally, but oaks normally do not. So right, I think uh, calling in uh, the certified arborists, we have uh, a publication on how to select an arborist at the extension.umn.edu website. Uh, Many arborists will give you an opinion free of charge. Uh, You could even get a couple of opinions if you wanted, but oaks Oaks are such a wonderful uh, plant. There actually uh, is a lot of information now about oaks as keystone species. These are species that will um, are so important to the environment because they will uh, provide food and habitat for many insects, birds, wildlife, etc. And we know oaks are at the top of the list for being very, very important. So I would do as much as you can to make sure that you're uh, saving your oaks and keeping them as healthy as possible.
1: Before we do a quick break, let's grab another text, Mary. This listener says, Can I cut back lilacs and hydrangeas during this winter and to what length, and will they bloom in the spring? There's the big question.
2: They won't bloom in the spring if you cut them back now. Uh, you might be OK with hydrangeas, but I try to do minimal pruning on hydrangeas because there's several different kinds. And if you don't know what kind you have, you end up cutting off the blooms. The best thing is to... to uh, Uh, do the pruning right after the plants have flowered so after flowering for the lilacs and then I just cut off old blooms on the hydrangeas but if you prune now you're definitely cutting off the bloom so I'd wait till in the spring after they flower. Very
1: good we'll take this break. And be right back with more of our Smart Garden Show. A reminder, right after the uh, 9 o'clock news break, we'll be answering those home improvement questions. So keep those in mind. Andy Lindis will be joining us again right after the 9 o'clock news break. So if you have any home improvement questions, by all means, uh, you can call or text at that time right after the 9 o'clock news break. Right now in the Twin Cities, 17 degrees. We're heading for 34. Stay with us here. News Talk 830 WCCO. Matt, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on WCCO around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Mary Meyer from the U of M answering those lawn and garden questions. I not know, Mary, you had a uh, kind of a follow-up, but then I wanted to ask you what's going on at the Arboretum. But uh, let us uh, you did a little homework during a break.
2: Yes, I did. So the Kalanchoe is a flower. We had the uh, color. I'm sorry, I can't remember. Uh, Marlis, I think, ask about reflowering flowering uh, Kalanchoe or Kalanchoe. Uh This is a popular plant that uh, is sold in grocery stores, florists, garden centers, kind of succulent foliage, and the flowers last for a long time. It is a short day plant. So just like Christmas cactus and poinsettia, it will only set flowers again if it has short days. So Inside now in the winter, we have our short days, but of course, we turn the lights on. So if you put it in a room for six weeks where it just gets the natural day length, bright sun during the day, but short days, after about six weeks, it can set flower buds.
1: Okay, good. Thank you for that. Uh, what, what is going on? I mean, here we talk about winter, a lot of snow on the ground, but still lot to, lots to do with the Arboretum.
2: Yes, the conservatory of course is beautiful out at the Arboretum. It's a rather small conservatory, but you can see the oranges there, lots of orchids flowering, etc. And then there are many trails at the Arboretum. So you can rent snowshoes, their ski trails are there, and you can see every day the conditions of the ski trails. They're posted early in the morning. I just looked at the ski trails Walking trails all in fair condition out uh, at the Arboretum. Tomorrow there is a wellness market and some special classes on wellness. And then coming up in February, the whole month of February, will be the flower show out at the Arboretum. You can sign up now for a tea if you'd like to go to a tea, a special tea for February to see the flower show and then have a tea with friends. That's always a fun thing to do.
1: And if you want to get out there, again, you got to reserve online, right?
2: Yes, you reserve online. There's always lots of openings, and uh, just make your reservations and then go. There are hundreds of people that can make reservations on every half hour. So easy to make the reservations, but that is uh, something that we'll probably keep for a long time at the Arboretum. It helps with parking. It helps us to really manage uh, visitors better.
1: Yeah, I think it's really a, an efficient way of getting things done. There, it makes makes everybody a little <laughs> less stressful. Easier, that's yeah, right. Less absolutely. stressful, that's right. <laughs> this yeah. uh, texter, uh, Mary, thanks for that. Uh, uh, says uh, wants to know: Can I use suckers for apple tree grafting?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, suckers are not the best, but um, you can. Uh, that is genetically the same type of plant. So, yes. So if you had suckers on your Honeycrisp and you took some of those off and used them for grafting on, uh, you know, a Jetstar or something else, that still is – it is going to be uh, Honeycrisp. So that will work. Yeah.
1: Okay. This listener wants to know, we mentioned they were talking about tomatoes earlier. Can indeterminate tomatoes be pruned to control their size?
2: Oh, yes, you can do that. Uh, Pruning tomatoes is kind of a whole topic in and of itself. And um, I don't like to prune tomatoes. Uh, You know, if you're pruning a tomato, you're just cutting off Potential flowers and and fruits, but many people do, and you get an indeterminate you'll get a really, really tall thing, and then you can cut off all the side shoots, so it is easier to control and certainly greenhouse tomatoes they they're very careful about how they are pruned and trained and grown because they want the the maximum production uh, so you can do that, but it it isn't really necessary. Uh, and you don't usually prune a determinate one because that plant is going to be little anyway.
1: We must be getting folks uh, <laughs> anxious <laughs> for spring and tomatoes. I'm just noticing more, more text messages about tomatoes. Uh, this yeah. one is, uh, what's the best soil to use when planting tomatoes in pots? Is regular garden soil from outside okay, or should we use potting soil? And if so, which type? So soil question.
2: Yeah, I like to use a combination in containers. I do like to have some regular ground or topsoil in there. That's a mineral soil that's got nutrients and micro uh, nutrients. But then the majority of what I use in a container is commercial potting soil. So it's a lightweight soil. When the bag is easy to pick up, that's a good type of potting soil. So lightweight. They're usually peat-based soils. They hold a lot of moisture, and yet they have uh, a lot of air spaces in them. So, but it, there, it's great if you can put in a couple shovels of regular uh, garden soil. You don't have to do that. But if you use just the commercial potting soil, you really gotta put the fertilizer on because there are usually no nutrients in that soil. But you want to be sure and read the label because more soils today have slow-release fertilizer. It used to be it was never in there. Now there's sometimes there is slow-release. But pretty much you're going to have to use supplemental fertilizer with container plants.
1: Okay. This listener cannot get rid of aphids on my hibiscus. Any suggestions? Will the plants die from them?
2: Well, they might die if you've really got a huge amount of them. So in the winter now, this is... Hibiscus is indoors. I would put that plant in the shower, and really wash it off really, really well, and uh, then let it drain really well. And you're trying to remove physically remove those aphids, and then when you see them come out, use insecticidal soaps to try to uh, to minimize uh, and keep the population down. This is that's really a challenge when the plant is indoors because it's it's hard to get it really clean. And um, those aphids are just amazing how they can reproduce. So I would say you have to be really diligent. and, And I would think about putting it in the shower almost once a week, really, to keep it as clean as possible. Okay.
1: Here's an interesting question. Are poppy flowers hard to grow? Why do we see them up by Grand Marais and not in the cities?
2: Oh, interesting. I haven't seen a bite Grand Marais. How about that? Well, <laughs> poppies, a lot of poppies do like well-drained soils, and they do tend to like cool conditions. So the cool year-round kind of maritime conditions along uh, Superior, uh, probably, yeah, though it's those conditions. They don't usually like heat, and they're very short-lived with heat uh, they like sandy soil, cooler sites. So I would say it's really the environment that's up there.
1: Interesting. Um, let's see this list. Oh, this is more more of a comment rather than a question. They say thanks for a great show. Uh, for the listener who wants to stake their tomatoes, the best way they found is to make a cage from concrete reinforcing wire. Wow. That sounds
2: pretty oh, so that's, stable. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, but you know what? That is re, that's a good idea because that is really heavy duty. Sometimes tomato cages are kind of piddly wire, they're not very substantial. And to, I've seen, probably many of our listeners have seen, tomato really actually overtakes the cage and the whole thing can fall over. So some people actually use one big wooden stake in addition to the cage, because sometimes the cages are so weak. So that reinforced concrete. Denny, we just have got smart listeners. Don't, don't we, though?
1: Well, we <laughs> yeah. see that we see that all the time. Uh, yeah. And an, another thing uh, to get, I know we just have about a minute to go. As a matter of fact, it is exactly a minute. Uh, let's remind our listeners once again to uh, get to uh, the website. Uh, tell us about that.
2: Yes, extension.umn.edu, and click on Yard and Garden. You can put pretty much anything in the search engine. Uh, How about winter seed sowing? Put that in the search engine. It will tell you what you can sow right now in the wintertime. That's a fun thing to do. Watering houseplants, or really the name of any plant that you're interested in looking at. So a great resource, lots of information at extension.umn.edu.
1: Excellent. And get to the Arboretum. You're going to love it. And and join. Yeah. Why don't you sign yeah. up and join? It's some great, uh, great stuff uh, w- when you get to join. So, Mary, thank you so much. I hope you have a good week. I know we'll be chatting again. At least I certainly hope so. And, and, uh, uh, stay warm. looks like we're going to have a little uh, melting going
2: on here. for I Friday, hope so. so. It's always yeah. a pleasure to talk gardening. Thanks, Danny.
1: Thanks so much. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. We mentioned it earlier. Get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction. Uh, maybe you're in the middle of a project. You're about to start one. Maybe you have questions about ice dams or icicles. We're going to talk about those coming up here on uh, cco radio in the twin cities right now currently at 17 degrees on our way to 34 going to be 38 tomorrow stay with us
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds